You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today's episode is brought to you by Locked on Fantasy Football. Winning your league starts with the right data. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Subscribe to Locked on Fantasy on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. We continue our training camp previews with the running back position today. And there are few questions at the top, but some somewhat interesting questions after that for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, And then we will talk about, (sighs) we will talk about some Aaron Rodgers stuff because I guess we just have to, uh, unfortunately. I don't want to, but we probably have to. Let's start, and we're going to spend most of our time today on the running backs. So don't worry uh, if you don't don't want to listen to the Rodgers stuff. Just let's, let's do the football stuff, and we'll do that first. So I think part of the interesting things that we can learn, because... We know who the guys at the top are going to be. We know Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are going to be your top two backs this season. And and I think we could expect monster workloads um, from those guys this season, regardless of who is under center. And and even more, if uh, Jordan Love is the quarterback, I would think they would lean a little bit more on the running backs, get them a little bit more involved in the passing game, things like that. In terms of the snap percentages, you know, we're not going to learn much uh, in the preseason about what that could look like. Now, we could learn uh, some some roles. I mean, we saw in in mini camps as limited as as those looks are that you know they're they're willing to use AJ Dillon in more pass heavy situations. We saw in the playoffs they were willing to play AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones together in ways that were were really intriguing. Last year, Aaron Jones played 52% of snaps. Now part of that was he missed games, but it was it was something close to a 50-50 split. Jamal Williams played 40% of snaps. And part of that again is Aaron Jones missed games. The other guys really did not factor in. Now, Tyler Irvin played, according to Football Outsiders, 14% of snaps. Uh, I think some of those will go to A.J. Dillon. I think some of them could go to whoever running back three is. And I think some of them are going to go to Amari Rodgers. I don't think Green Bay wants to push Aaron Jones much beyond, you know, let's say 60% of snaps, assuming he's fully healthy and plays 16, 17 games. And, you know, you don't need to push him. You want him fresh for the playoffs. He had probably the worst game of his career in the NFC Championship game. Now, was that because he was tired? No, probably not. In fact, the week before, he was awesome against the Rams and and looked explosive. 
They need to be able to find ways to get both of these guys on the field at the same time. I think the better question is what that split looks like, uh, how often they're on the field together, and the situations where you're just going to see A.J. Dillon. Like, we know everything Aaron Jones can do. We've seen him do everything you could want a running back to do, from playing in the backfield, from playing that that jet motion man, the orbit motion guy, the, the swing motion, and then just splitting out wide, playing in the slot. He can play wherever you want him. And you hope that A.J. Dillon can show a little bit more versatility than he did last year, although the Packers were willing to send him on, you know, halfback fly routes. And, you know, some of those darts that that Jordan Love was throwing on at least the, the one day that he was awesome, they were wheel routes to A.J. Dillon. Down the field opportunities. That's, that's what I'm looking for in training camp from A.J. Dillon. Showing that you have the passing game versatility to be on the field in any situation. And if he can do that, then how does Matt LaFleur handle that workload? Because I felt like last year, one of the few complaints that I've had about Matt LaFleur is he had a little bit of the McCarthy syndrome with the two backs. It was, okay, this is the Aaron Jones drive. Okay, this is the Jamal Williams drive. Rather than calling plays and and using concepts that best fit those players. And that's not to say that they called the offense the exact same way with those two guys in the game. And it's worth noting that Matt LaFleur wants to be multiple. He wants to be complex. And yet he doesn't want to make it obvious. The illusion of complexity. Okay, we have different personnel in there, but we're actually going to run the same stuff. You don't want to be predictable by formation. You don't want, okay, Aaron Jones is in the game, so the offense is going to look like X. Oh, A.J. Dillon is the game, so the offense is going to look like Y. You want to be able to do all the same things, but you also want to cater to your offense. And, And sometimes that means three, four snaps of one guy and then two snaps of another or five snaps of one guy and then one or two of the other just from a, okay, we want to give a different look. We want to run this kind of play. We just want to put this idea in the defense's mind. And Malafleur is awesome at doing that in terms of uh, putting ideas into a defense's head to set up later. And I think he could be even more dangerous, even more effective if he did that with his running back rotation and just kept the defense guessing. Like imagine the difference from a defensive perspective. You come out with 11 personnel. So three receivers, the tight end, and the lone back. Just from aesthetics and and a mindset, it's a lot different if you're a linebacker in nickel in the middle of the field and you either have to tackle Aaron Jones or you have to tackle A.J. Dillon. Just pre-snap, if you see big 28 back there, it's a different look. And you might have, whether it's conscious or subconscious, a different idea of what's about to come. I'm really excited to see if if they use A.J. Dillon as a play-action decoy. Okay, this is the guy who's in the game when we want to run the ball because you don't think he's a passing game weapon, even though we do. And so when he's in the game, heavy run, 
except when they need the big play. Then you go play action with A.J. Dillon and go over the top. Now, beyond that, beyond that, what is what does the roster look like? Who are the guys who are going to be there? They have Patrick Taylor, who's a holdover from last year, a, a big back, 6'1", 214 from, from Memphis. They've got Dexter Williams, who has yet to be a reliable NFL player in any way. The Packers have been allergic to giving him opportunities to get on the field. I think the assumption is that it's going to be Kylan Hill. I don't know that we should take that for granted. Because as much as I like Hill, and I think Hill should have been picked much higher than he was. I like the talent. I like the fit for Green Bay. And I said that at the draft. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in what he can do to help this team. But he was a seventh round pick. And Dexter Williams has been on this team for two years now. Patrick Taylor has an advantage in terms of understanding where to be, what to do, more than someone like Kylan Hill. And so for a team that wants to make a Super Bowl run, I mean, they did not put A.J. Dillon out there very much last year. So why would they do And He was a second-round pick. And I understand he had COVID, and I understand that he missed a lot of time. But even early in the season, they were like, "Mm mm-mm. And it wasn't until that he was forced into duty and they realized, okay, there's a lot lot to like here, that they really started to, to use him. And even then, I felt like they could have been using him more. To me, it was very clear he was the second most talented running back on the roster. Now, no doubt Jamal Williams more reliable. You you have more trust that he's going to be in the right places at the right times. You don't have that with Taylor or Williams, but they do have an institutional advantage over Kylan Hill. Now, I think Hill is sort of the perfect third running back in this offense. He is a terrific complement to Jones and, and Dylan because he is a different kind of back. I think there's some similarities between he, he and Jones. Look, he's the third most talented running back on the roster right now, given what we know about them. Uh, I I would have said Dexter Williams. If you look at pre-draft to pre-draft, I had Dexter Williams. I I liked him more than Kylan Hill. But at some point, you just have to say, okay, I was wrong. Or or not that I was wrong about the talent, but just the the, uh, career has not played out commensurate to the talent. And, And maybe I just misunderstood. All that said... Kylan Hill, to me, is the favorite to be the third running back. But you could probably, if you felt like, okay, he's not ready. He's not quite ready this year. And we trust one of these other guys more. And there's always going to be, you know, running backs are one of those things where, like, you get an opportunity in a preseason game. Someone, fifth, sixth, seventh string is going to run for 100 yards in one of these games just because that's how it works. You get 15 carries in the fourth quarter against, um, you know, future telemarketers. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, hey, what about this guy? Try not to read too much into that, but you know, we're always going to. We're always going to overreact to that stuff. I just, I'm cautioning you to be too ready to just say, okay, this is going to be the guy to come in and take that spot. But at the same time, I do think that's the most likely scenario. 
Would I love it if someone like Dexter Williams came in and and the guy looked great and he's in awesome shape and and he's he understands his assignments and all of a sudden he's he's blocking his ass off and and he's in the right spots and making the right reads? Yeah, cool. Because if he does that, he can be a useful player too. Remember, you can you can sneak more guys onto the practice squad than than any fan base will have you believe on Twitter. On Twitter. It, it is it is impossible to sneak anyone on the practice squad on Twitter. Well, can't get him on the practice squad because it's, some teams are going to... It's like, no. Most teams are way more focused on what their guys are doing and their evaluations because it's more information. They are much more likely to say, let's roll with this guy that we know than they are to try and pick off someone else's practice squad guy who they have, have basically never seen. Dexter Williams, you know... He could be that guy. I, I don't really know what to think of, of someone like Patrick Taylor at this point. It's one of those positions that until the pads come on, it, it is hard to know. Now, they're also breaking in a lot of new offensive linemen, so there could be some some growing pains there. All the more reason why guys with institutional knowledge could be in a better position to, to make a splash. I think the, the best case scenario for the Packers is that Someone like, and I know this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm caping a little bit. I'm allowed. Someone like Dexter Williams reaches his physical potential, gives you something just because I, I love the first step burst, the downhill speed, the decisiveness, hold on to the ball, Dexter, pass, protect, and, and just catch it if they throw it to you. That's all, that's all it's got to be. There's enough talent there to be good if that's all you do. And sneak Kylan Hill on the practice squad. I mean, it's not like teams were fighting over themselves to get this guy. Now, the talent was better than the draft position, but the draft position reflects where the league is on him. You could sneak him onto the practice squad, I think. And then down the line, you know, he he can grow into a bigger role on the team. But if he's the, the, the third running back, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I'm not going to be surprised at all. And, and I don't think that's a bad outcome. This would just, you know, my my fake scenario is just a way to get the most talented guys on the roster at once. Am I going to get over the, the Dexter Williams thing? Yeah, probably this this preseason. <laughs> I'm, I might have to do it on Josh Jackson. I might have to do it on Equinemia St. Brown. There's, there's a couple guys that I really liked pre-draft, and we just haven't seen much from them. We've seen some flashes from EQ more than the other two guys. It's almost unfair to lump him in there. But there's also been some bad. He dropped the two-point conversion that, that would have made it a lot easier for the Packers in the fourth quarter in the NFC Championship game. So, but at the same time, I, I, I do believe in the talent. So, uh, uh, until proven otherwise, and that, that might be as soon as like, you know, two and a half weeks from now, uh, I think that's the best case scenario, though I don't think it's the most likely scenario. I do think it's it's most likely that Kylan Hill is the guy. Uh, but, you know, look, they could surprise us and keep four running backs. They really could. I mean, with with the way these guys get injured, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what happened. Now there are a lot of other places that you'd like to that you'd like to keep the bodies. You know, the Packers have a ton of guys at tight end. They've got Jay Sternberger who's going to be suspended. They could have David Bakhtiari on PUP, depending on on where he is with his rehab. So there's a lot uh, that that you have to sort of juggle here. Maybe they start with four four running backs. Great. 
you cut one and then they go on to the practice squad, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what happened at all. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers, you have a phone, you have access to rockauto.com. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or a car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they can save you money with reliably low prices for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find all the solutions you need for your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com now and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. So there was some drama on the Twitterverse yesterday because Shailene Woodley, you remember her, uh, <laughs> she retweeted a Stephen A. Smith video that was very pointed criticism of his colleagues, of his peers, who, according to Stephen A., were acting like they didn't understand why Aaron Rodgers was so upset. Insisting it's not about football, it's not about money, it's about respect. So Shailene retweets it. Shailene's mom quote tweets it. Uh, is this better or worse than the Miles Teller Instagram post? Or better or worse than the pretty obvious shot across the bow uh, the Packers GM, when the really the only tweet after the Bucks win the series, when they win the finals, the team that Aaron Rodgers is a part owner of, the only tweet where he names people by name after they've won, he, you know, he name checked Giannis with the 50, uh, name checked Chris when he made the big shot, but didn't thank those guys by name after winning the title. He thanked the governors, he thanked the fans, and he thanked the general manager who, he said, made some great moves to help the team. The only person whose actions he mentions by name is the general manager who he calls by name and who he has not mentioned in an interview to this point, but has referred to him as the GM. This, the the passive aggressive stuff. I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. And it's not, that's not to say that I'm over Aaron Rodgers. I'm just over the the tact. I'm over it. I I don't think un, unless you are being passive aggressive as a joke for effect and everyone is in on the joke. I just don't think there is an appropriate time. To be passive aggressive. It is not the way to get what you want. And it is not the way anyone else wants to be treated. If you have an issue, say so. And that's the problem that I have with all of this. The irony of Aaron Rodgers' fiance retweeting a video where Stephen A. Smith says, I wish people would stop pretending like they don't understand what Aaron Rodgers is saying. You know why 
people have trouble understanding what Aaron Rodgers is saying is because Aaron Rodgers hasn't said anything. And there are a lot of fans who are responding exactly the way that he would like them to. And all of the the punditry and the reporting and the, the sources and, and anonymous quotes, they just ignore and they hand wave and they say, well, Rodgers hasn't said anything. They're on Rodgers' side to the end. And if that's you, I get it. It's fine. But the reason people don't get it is because you haven't said anything. And it's not even Rodgers retweeting the thing as if to say, I'm co-signing this. It's his fiance and his fiance, his future mother-in-law. Now, I, I half joked on Twitter that, you know, we should all be so lucky to have a mother-in-law who would defend our honor on social media. And, and it's not even really a half joke. It's, that's real. That's, that's, that's a cool thing. But how can you say and, and tacitly endorse the stance of it's dumb that Aaron Rodgers is misunderstood, that his message is being misunderstood when there is no message. There is no public message. And Aaron Rodgers has had opportunity after opportunity to say something. If you see something, say something. But he hasn't. And I'm not sure that he ever will. I'm not sure that he ever will give a full accounting of what this is all about, of the reasons for it, of the specific problems that he would like fixed. I don't think we'll ever get a full accounting of it. I really don't. And what I don't get is if this isn't fixed, if Aaron Rodgers it's not just if Aaron Rodgers plays in Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in 2021. I don't think he will be beyond 2021. That's where I am right now. Unless he signs a contract, stays in Green Bay, finishes his career in Green Bay, he is going to have to answer the question about what happened for the rest of of his born days. For the rest of his life, he will get this question. I, I was talking to, to some media friends about this and they brought up the family issues. And he's always said, I want to keep the personal things personal. Well, this is not a personal thing. This is a football thing. And it, it is very public. And this, this affects on the field in every possible way. And if he doesn't stay and finish his career in Green Bay. This is something that will linger forever. Forever. It will never not be a question if he doesn't answer for it. We knew the deal with Brett Favre. Brett Favre retired and then unretired. And Green Bay said, I'm sorry, thank you, next. We knew what the tension was there. Brett wanted to come back. The Packers made their decision. They moved on. A lot of people did not agree with that decision, but the decision and the, and the options, the two divergent paths, no pun intended, although I'm pretty happy with that wordplay, the two divergent paths were clear to us. The Packers either do X and get Y or they do Z and they get A. Those were 
the options. We knew what they were. We knew what the tensions were. As we sit here right now, if it's not a football thing, this is a a back-to-back 13-3 and team, back-to-back NFC Championship team. They changed the coach. They changed the GM. The GM's approach changed. Although, you know, we we heard recently from a Rogers surrogate in writing (laughs) that, you know, Brian Goodikins is closer to Ted Thompson 2.0 than Ron Wolf. Don't know that I agree with that in terms of approach. But if it's coming from this person, it's probably coming from Aaron. We now know that the money, the the we want you, the the security, the commitment was made, at least attempted with Green Bay. They went to him with the restructure that would have extended his career in Green Bay for sure. He said, I want a long-term deal. They said, okay, here's the long-term deal. He said, no, okay. So then now we get to this point where we don't know what the deal is. What is the tension? And when you say, oh, it's a it's a respect thing. What was the turning point between last year and this year? Because between last year and this year, it's not about Jordan Love, allegedly. So if it's not about Jordan Love, then everything was theoretically fine last year, or at least not not bad enough for this to be at this level. Then, okay, they didn't take a receiver. They took Jordan Love. And then the team got better. And you went 13-3 and again, and you almost won the Super Bowl. And ironically, in Rodgers' tweet, he talked about the stars playing like stars in the finals. The stars didn't play like stars in the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers included. So what what happened? What happened? What pushed this seemingly 0-60? to Now, clearly it's not. I mean, uh, we've done the full accounting here, right? All of the things, at least that we know publicly, that has created tension between these two, it's it's well documented, it's out there. What we don't know, what we don't know is what escalated it to this point. What escalated it from, we're fine, uh, it's a beautiful mystery, uh, I understand my role, it's not my job to pick players, all that stuff, all the stuff that he said publicly and where we are now, where it's, He's been disrespected. His opinion's not taken seriously. All this stuff. Even though publicly he said, I don't care about that stuff. It seems like privately he does. Now this brings us back to the first point. If you are saying a thing and feeling another type of way, how am I supposed to understand that? And what's more, if you're not saying a thing, how am I supposed to understand what you're feeling. And a lot of this feels like you're just supposed to know. You're just supposed to know. I've used this analogy before. It's not that I want you to take out the garbage. I want you to want to take out the garbage. Well, ask me to take out the garbage. I'll take it out. Just that, you know, you can just ask. But there's no reporting that that happened. Maybe it did, but there's no reporting. We don't know that it happened. We can't assume absent evidence that it happened. And presumably, if it had happened, it would be advantageous for David Dunn and the Rogers camp to leak that it happened. Even if it didn't happen, you could leak it. 
No, no, no. No one would ever do that. That would be dishonest. And and no one in negotiation, and especially negotiating in public and, and P, the PR battle, no one's ever been dishonest in those situations. No, we, we, we can't. We can't believe that. So what are we doing here? What are we doing here? If what you're saying publicly is I'm good and privately, you're not really saying anything. You're not, you're not saying this is what I want or this is what I need or this is what I would like you to do or this is what I'm pissed about. Rogers supposedly has a good relationship with his coach, with Nathaniel Hackett, with Luke Getze. Where are they in all of this? Talk to them. Hey, we got we to gotta figure this out. Hey, I'm, 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 really, I'm really feeling this way about this thing. Where is that? And if that's happening, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. And that's why at every opportunity, it is surprising to me that we haven't heard anything from the man himself. And yet, and so we are left to speculate. We are left to hypothesize and to project our own perceptions of the situation because we are not hearing from any of the main actors. So if anyone wants to be understood and they're feeling like they are being misunderstood, the easiest way to deal with that is to speak, is to say, this is what I want. And that goes for both sides. But it goes especially for a player who is apparently feeling slighted, who's feeling disrespected. And it's not my place to say whether or not he's, that's a valid feeling. That is seemingly how he feels. And, and I think the dual retweet speaks to that. It's a personal thing. It's a culture thing. It's about the people. Okay. Okay. Where, what's your responsibility in all of that? You know, Leroy Butler on the show last week said the Packers have acknowledged publicly, publicly acknowledged Brian Gutekunst, mea culpa. He said, I could have handled that situation differently. I wish I had. I welcome Aaron Rodgers' input. Public statements of support for Aaron Rodgers and for their own culpabilities in whatever problems have arose. Not only have we not heard anything from Aaron Rodgers, assuming he thinks he played any sort of negative role in the breakdown of this relationship, but we haven't even heard, this is what I want. This is what I think, or this is what's next for me. This is what's best for me. Even, even if we didn't get the, this is, this is why I'm pissed off. And, and the honest accounting of that part of it. The very least we could get a, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. We could get something like that. So until we get that, until we get something concrete from Aaron Rodgers, I, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And I don't want the retweets and the likes and the vague Instagram posts and the passive aggressive nonsense. It's just not how... Mature adults handle literally any situation. This is childish behavior. This is 
petulant, immature behavior from a three-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, all-time great. And I have tried to be measured about it to this point. I really have. Because it's going to piss off a lot of people that that I feel this way, that I'm saying this. Because they're going to defend Rodgers to the end. They're going to cape up and it's going to be, nope, it's always the player. He's always right. And he never had anything to do with any negative anything. That's just what we do now. But the behavior, it is, frankly, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. If I had a friend acting this way, if I'm David Bakhtiari, I'm going 12. What are you doing? And, and he's giving the diplomatic answers. He's going on Ryan Rosillo and he's doing the diplomatic thing and saying, as a friend, I want him to do what's best for him as a teammate. I'd love for him to be back. No, as a friend, you say, stop being a jerk. We all need people in our lives to say, hey, dude, this is, this is not it. If I were acting like this, there are people in my life that would say, what's the deal? Why are you acting like this? Why are you handling it this way? Why are you being passive aggressive? Why are you, why are you allowing your friends, your family members to troll this situation like this? And then to come on and play the high road, you know, new age mantra nonsense. Not that that, that ideology is nonsense. It's just clearly nonsense in this situation. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm so beyond it. I've just like reached a higher plane of existence where none of that stuff bothers me, even though it clearly bothers you. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. And look, I'm not saying that, that it is all on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. Not at all. I'm just saying that part of it, the communication part of it, the fact that this is being handled like this now, right? The fact that this is how the public side of it is being handled. If you're going to be silent, be silent. You know, what, what, is, what did he say? Sometimes it's not the loudest people. Well, silence is a choice. If you're going to be silent, be silent. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't be trolling. That's not silence. That's passive aggressive. And when I see that, when I see it handled that way, it doesn't make me think that the situations that led to where we are now were handled differently. Why should I believe that? What evidence do I have that says it would be handled anything other than this way? So to recap, <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. I, I want Aaron Rodgers to come back to Green Bay. I want Aaron Rodgers to come back to, to say, that, you know, this was all overblown. I'm good. We're good. And move forward and finish his career in Green Bay to win a bunch of Super Bowls. And, and he gets the storybook ending. That's the best thing for the Packers organization. It's the best thing for Aaron Rodgers. From an outsider's perspective. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. 
And that doesn't mean that I'm on board with it being handled this way. I'm not. I'm not. And unless and until that behavior changes, and even when it does, if it does, it's not going to justify what has happened to this point. It's not going to justify that. So, look, I'm not saying anyone needs to air anyone's dirty laundry in the streets. That's, that is not what I'm advocating for. But something. Something. And something that isn't the passive-aggressive social media nonsense. It is undignified for a, a player of his caliber. And, and the thing is, it's not KD going on Twitter and, and clapping back at fans on Twitter. It's not that. And it's not someone going on Twitter and, and, or on Instagram comments and making a joke. Because it, it's not a joke. It's not funny. And maybe it's funny to them. And, and frankly, it, that's worse. There are a lot of faults in the way that Green Bay has handled this over the last few years with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not comparing them. This is not a one-to-one. This is not, oh, because this, I have to talk about this. This is not whataboutism. I'm just talking about right now, this thing, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I'm going to be glad when this is over because I'm not going to have to deal with that part of this anymore. You're not going to have to deal with that part of this anymore. And you're not going to have to hear me be annoyed with it anymore. And frankly, thank God for that. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info with all your sporting needs. Baseball, uh, the NFL is coming around the corner. The NBA draft is almost here. We've still got more golf. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the opportunities you have to go make some money. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. As teams prep for their run to the MLB playoffs, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and of course, as the NFL season gets underway, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to flip sides of the ball, go over to the defensive side as we continue our training camp previews. And I'm going to try not to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to try. I can't make any promises because who knows uh, what what silly retweet or Instagram comment or TikTok is going to be out there by tomorrow. But I'm going to tr- I'm going to try not to deal with it. You can catch me. I am on a, a Cheesehead TV roundtable tomorrow tomorrow evening, seven Central, eight Eastern. Uh, check me out there. And follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.